all he does is catch the football. That's, that is beautiful. That's why I came to West Virginia, man. Ding dong, the witch is dead in Arizona. This is a totally energized hind field, the power of the renegade song. The backyard brawl, man, against Pitt. Look at that. Oh, there's Rod Wolfley. Wow! They came after Donovan McNabb. Went after him. They played to win the game. Everybody's going bonkers, even the referees. Oh, those, those look like some sticky gloves right there. We talk about 50-50. Right now it's 50-50. Who's going to get it? Game came with cover zero. Man across the board. Pick up a flag because, hey, and then with the Renegade song, even flags don't count. They're going to get an Italian army behind him right there, just like Franco Harris. My goodness, that is pure guts. Give me a pepperoni roll, man. Hello, and welcome to the Three Wolves of Football. The boys from Orchard Park, the outsiders. Yes, I'm Dale Wolfley, the Wolfman. And these are my two brothers. I usually go with the oldest, uh, Derry, but I'm going to go ahead. Pony boy, Ronnie Paul. Uh, say hello. Yep. Hello, brother. Arizona Cardinals radio uh, color analyst and uh, older brother, Craig, Derry, Derry, how are you? Me. Yeah, that's Steelers uh, radio color analyst. And uh, a couple of good things this week is going on. So I'm really excited. And But I'm welcoming you guys. What's happening in your world, Derry? What's happening? Well, you know, I mean, the Steelers just came off another win. Had to get a win. You know, it was a good one to go down to Atlanta. Uh, it was funny because uh, did you ever play in the uh, or be in the Mercedes-Benz Dome? Oh, yeah. You know, this is the dome, and it looks like a, a monstrous Darth Vader helmet. Yes. It's huge. It's got – I mean, how does, a, how does a dome have that many right angles on it? I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. But it is a spectacular place. And I will tell you this. They have the best food there up in the press box. Oh, wow. Smoking, uh, man. Are you – oh, wow. That's they, uh, had, you know, they had chocolate chip cookies almost as big as manhole covers. I kid you not. It was See, fun. for me, for me right now, I just want to make this clear. You know, our show, and what episode is this, guys? Episode 13. Oh, lucky number 13, right? <laughs> episode number 13. Let me just say this right now. It's not about the sweets. It's the salt, man. It's the salt. <laughs> you give me a bag of salt and vinegar, and I'm done. Oh. Just toast yeah. right there, man. Not the cookie stuff for me. It's more the potato chip. Okay. okay, just for the That's record, I want to get that out there. Well, for the record, then, I'm going to just sit there and say, no, it's about the steak, bro. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, about, it's about the steak. And when you go to Texas, University of Texas, and you get that steak, and then you get some barbecue ribs in there, man, barbecue chicken. Uh, down there, Texas Longhorns, oh, they treat you good down there. Uh, the great state of Texas. I don't <laughs> like visiting. I'm going to tell you right now. But anyways, hey, it's great to have you guys. It's a good night. And I think it's important to, to play this because this is a do-over. I'm going to take a mulligan. This is on me this week. And uh, it was very obvious I couldn't get away from it. So when you're listening, but you're not listening. Up and went to a bowl my senior year, the Independence Bowl, down in Shreveport, Louisiana. And we won, you know, and it was just, it was just a tremendous moment of accomplishment and resurrecting some of the fortunes of Syracuse football. You know, I remember, too, it was the General Omar Bradley. They rolled out in a wheelchair. They did. Because it was the uh, Independence Bowl, if I remember right. World War II, Independence Bowl, yep. Okay, if you did not notice, Craig, you just mentioned that 
15 seconds before it was the Independence Bowl, and I wasn't listening. <laughs> and Pony Boy, I saw your face, man. I thought you actually noticed that because you're like, did he just say Independence Bowl twice? Yeah, no, I, I did notice that right there. Your lips were moving, but I couldn't hear what you were saying. Um, <laughs> name the song, Pink Floyd, of course. Yeah, Comfortably Numb. Next. Oh, my goodness. Well, anyways, I thought that was pretty funny. And uh, I do think, though, uh, Craig, when you looked at it, you just kept going on. I don't know if you were listening to yourself. <laughs> no, I never do. Are you kidding me? Look, man, I've got, like, double-digit concussions. You think, you know, something like that, that doesn't even come up on the radar, man. Well, and it's okay, too. It's okay to talk about your own concussions because right. you earned them. They're mine. They're mine, bro. They're yours. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, you know, and, and the funny thing, too, is, honestly, is it's funny that we ask other people to listen to us. <laughs> And when we don't listen to ourselves. So, anyways, moving ahead, and we're doing a good job. Uh, this here is excellent. Now, this gets to a technical point that I want to show. And even in the NFL, if you don't have good sound fundamentals, it can really hurt you. This is Kelsey, uh, the center with the Eagles. As you can see here, he's doing a double team combo. Look at that boy go in the air. Watch it here. Now, watch right there. The feet are together. Fundamentals is a defensive lineman. When your feet come together and you get whacked, you can go airborne. Go ahead and talk to me about that. Well, let me put this out there. Ooh, who is airborne there? That looks like a 2-4. My goodness. <laughs> go ahead. What do you think about that airborne? The, the, well, here's uh, the whole thing about it, all right? I mean, Jason Kelsey, that's what we used to call sniper on a guy. All right, he's engaged with one guy, and then you got a sniper coming out of the blind side, and he T-bones him. Let me tell you something that's great family fun. It's a lot of enjoyment. I will tell you this. That was a dynamic move by Jason Kelsey, very astute, very um, veteran. You know, you let the big 6'5", 340-pound cheese whopper of a guard playing next to you absorb the blow of this defensive lineman. Then you come in, pow, and T-bone him and put him on his back. You airmail him one guy over that's tremendous. That's why Jason Kelsey's a pro bowler. He's one of the best. I mean, Jason Kelsey right now, let me just say this, man. Jason, if you're if you're watching right now, dude, you are the best. He he is so good is. at center. You break the tape down. You watch Jason Kelsey. It's not even close, man. This this guy is a great football player. So it's not a surprise. To see that this is a surprise <laughs> to see me once again. I'd just like to say, can I defend myself here? I'm I'm pretty sure I remember this. Really, and that is a clip. You can see the guy who clipped me in the back. Right, not that I would have not missed a tackle in the open field because I missed many tackles in the open field. As a matter of fact, went to the Pro Bowl four times for special teams. Four times for special teams. And I could not tackle. <laughs> I was what I tried to block people to the ground. I was one of the worst tacklers in, in the history of the NFL. But bust up a wedge, that's what I could do, boys. You know, I listen, man, I just didn't want to be like we, we sit there and, and show another guy flying through the year without acknowledging the fact that we've all been in that position a time or two in our lives. And even though 
Bodie boy, I thought you might have a good story about this one because you might say it's a clip, but it looks like somebody hit you from the front. What do you mean? I mean, look at the guy right, right behind me, Soda Pop. The guy who hit me in the back. Oh, my gosh. You're beautiful. I love it. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you this, man. Nobody nobody ran down and broke a wedge like you, brother. Just simple. <laughs> There's not a chance. And, and, and you know what's great about a Soda Pop? Continue on. Yeah. yeah, you know what's great about it is I've got no permanent damage. <laughs> Thank the Lord. This is the time to unload that John Wayne. This is the time to unload that John Wayne uh, clip. You know what? Life is hard. (laughs) It's harder when you're stupid. (laughs) You know what? Thing and thing. Next. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going along so far. We're doing well tonight. I appreciate (laughs) this. And before I get to anything else, I told you last week, and this is really important. Uh, something that's really true and dear to my heart. And I was talking with Anthony back in. He's a head coach now with the St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL. Mm. Uh, you had the USFL out there and, and Darius Stills at West Virginia just signed. Uh, these are opportunities. These are minor league type professionalism, but to keep guys going, to keep them their career moving. And how important, and, and Pony Boy, I'm going to have you start out with this, but how important is, do you see this? I see it as a great service with a lot of people still striving for their dream. You're talking about the XFL, right? And USFL, yeah. And the USFL. You're talking about some of these ancillary leagues that are out there. I, I think it is absolutely huge. I don't know how many guys will actually play in the XFL and actually play in the USFL and get to the NFL. I don't know what the percentage is on that soda pop, but I will tell you right now that I just, I love the fact that it's there. I love the fact that it does give some guys the opportunity to make some more money, transition into real life at some point in time. Um, But I also think it can have a negative impact. And the reason why I say that is because there are a lot of guys who will not give up their dream. And maybe they should really think about giving up their dream. That's harsh to say. And I would never judge anybody based on their dream and what it is they want in their life. But there's good and there's bad with that as well. There's more good, though. You know what I mean? I understand what you're saying, Ron. That's... And that's an individual choice, and that's a difficult yes. one. I don't yes. know when you say when. You know what I mean? And I, 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 I was fortunate enough that I didn't have to go down that road. But yes. I, like for a couple of years, they had the Pittsburgh Power, the indoor league. It was here in Pittsburgh, and I, I actually got to do the color for that for a couple of years. And I enjoyed meeting with the guys because these were guys that really. You know, you know the, the the tough existence that it is. There's not a lot of you know extracurricular great stuff associated with it. It's a it's tough. You got to hold down probably another job in in other areas for the rest of the year and so forth. But it was guys that were still on that journey. They're still trying to make their mark. They're still trying to get to the NFL. And I, you got God love them. I mean, you know, it's just like, you know what it's like. We were all bit with the bug at an early age. You know, we wanted. We love football. It was part of us. And, um, you know, we got to carry it through to a, a good extent, you know. And the fact of the matter is, there's who can say to another man, your, your journey's done, you know. I mean, that's 
It's it's near impossible. But I understand what you're saying. Those are part 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 of the deal, I guess, for those that are struggling to make it. You know, when do you say when? Yeah, I want to be clear on that. I want to be clear on that. I mean, I would never tell another individual when it was, you know, time for him to move on. I, that's not my point. My point was that each individual has got to make that decision. And right. It's great. I get you. On one hand, that there are some guys, I, and again, the percentage, I believe, is very, very low. It's very low of guys who actually make it to the NFL. But you know, there are a lot of different points in life where some people are just not um, where they want to be. They're not ready to give up on their dream, so to speak. And who am I to judge them on that? But um, I do think it gets in the way sometimes of real advancement, so to speak. Hey, it's fair enough on both sides. I liked it. That's what I wanted to hear. But number two is, listen to this, more coaches have opportunities. More sports information directors have opportunities. More marketing directors have opportunities. So there's a lot going into a league other than just football players as well. So, again, I like it. I like the fact of watching football in the spring. Can't get enough of it, so I'm good with it. But now, let's go ahead. And this is not because that Najee Harris is a stealer. A little bit, because I'm a little bit uh, person to do it. But I loved him at Alabama. And watching him oh, yeah, run – Watching him run, as you got his mojo going back with a little physicality, a little bit of violence. Well, here he is, the stiff arm coming out. But that's not just – I mean, yeah, we all know about, you know, Eddie, Big, Big Henry, and all the stiff arms. That's a violent stiff arm. Oh, man, that's an angry man. That's a burning man stiff arm, right? I mean, he had such a grudgification going on in his mind. You know, Alabama playing in the SEC championships there and everything like that. That's like home field for him. He was all fired up. And that there, I have seen, you know, we've seen all guys dunk on guys, right? I've never seen a guy dunk a guy. You know, he dunked Richie Grant. I mean, that was wham. That was Slam City. You know, I mean, that's like that's like pro wrestling WWE. Oh, get out of town, you know? And I we've seen that before. We had Vance McDonald, the Vanimal. That's what they called him in Tampa Bay. He stiff-armed <laughs> the guy and went 75 yards down the sidelines, you know. Tremendous, tremendous play. This one was so good. Najee's got a good stiff arm. Derrick Henry got a good stiff arm, too. But Najee also got one, and he just showed it on that play. And he had an angst, man. He wanted to he wanted to show off down in Atlanta. He looked great. Holy boy. Yeah, you know what, uh, man, I love it. I, I love a good stiff arm. Who doesn't love that right here? I never used it. I was too worried running like this. So I didn't fumble. <laughs> I never got the ball. I mean, you think about it. I, I played 10 years in the NFL as a fullback and a wedge buster. But as a fullback, I played 10 years in the NFL. I had 26 receptions. Um, you know, I got the ball every now and then on uh, a third and one or, you know, a, a fourth and one, whatever it may have been, because as we all know, if you needed two yards, I'd get you two. If you needed four yards, I'd get you two. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm just saying, you know, it, it's yeah, the stiff arm is fantastic, man. I love it. Najee, I, I loved him coming out of Bama. And it appears to me that he's starting to finally find a little bit of that mojo that he had at Bama in the NFL. And a lot of guys, it takes a couple of years for you to make that transition. 
Yeah. And, and what I really like about it is I think not only does it signal that he's really coming back to knowing who Najee is and how he runs. Um, you tell me, uh, Derek, did that fire the team up? Did they? Did you see them get a little more aggressive? Because when you see your guy out there and you're having a not-so-great season and he's out there fighting and doing that, it seems to me get a little jacked. Well, there's a couple of things that are working together. Number one, the line has been improving week by week. I mean, they've been coming on. This I was just sitting this morning in this room watching film and, and having a cup of Joe, maybe a Danish or two, you know, just kind of perusing the film, watching the end zone view. And I'm watching this. I'm watching James Daniels take Grady Jarrett and give him a good old-fashioned rump bust and show him the sky pancake block, like IHOP. You know, I mean, it's just like awesome, right? Then I watch Mason Cole double-teaming with the, you know, uh, with Kevin Dotson and the two of them take the nose tackle off the ball and pick up the middle linebacker. They throw the nose tackle into the backside backer. That's Ray Sean Evans, who's a tackling machine. You got Chooks of core for just just lighten up guys, right? You got Danny Moore at the left tackle. The guy threw four. I was watching Danny Moore pass protect on this dude from Atlanta. Punched him four times in five yards going up the field. I stood there. I had my cup of Joe and my Danish. And I'm going, that's Tunch Ilkin good. You know what I mean? That's how good the punching was. It was just great. And that coupled with Najee, who, he, he, you know, back in training camp, he hurt his foot. And he ended up uh, going a number of weeks with a metal plate in his foot. You couldn't get any flexion. He just could not run and do the things he wanted to do. He's now realizing that with a good foot. Hmm. All right. Well, that is good news, not only for Najee Harris, but for his fans, but of course, also for the Steelers. Let's move on. And again, this is something that I've been a little bit vocal about in the last few months. I see that there's, you know, I, I just see fundamentals, especially in college football, are not what they were. And watching the the pack championship game between USC and of course uh Utah, USC had 22 missed tackles. There was a third 19. And they scored a 60-plus yard touchdown off of a third 19 because a guy went for the football instead of trying to tackle him and changed the whole ball game for USC in a down way. Fundamentals, blocking fundamentals, everything to me is not the same. And I don't know how you guys feel about it. And, and Derry, I'm going to start off with you. You know, what do you see coming up to the NFL? Do you still see it's a problem? Or do you think that they're coming up with proper fundamentals? I don't. No, they, they they don't have the proper fundamentals because now there's so much of it is being taken. You got to take the head out of it. So they're trying to be overly cautious with the head. So now you've got more of upright. Now you got chest bumping going on. You know, you got a couple of 325 pounders that are chest to chest. And it's almost like watching, I don't know, it's like two fat guys rubbing up against each other. There's so much fat rubbing up against each other, you start a grease fire down there, man. I mean, like, <laughs> it's like, man, come off the ball, boom, drive the guy off the ball, bang him, throw him on the ground. You know, those were the elements of, of the days of yore. Now, I know they're not going to come back in the way that we did back in the 80s and 90s because the game is, has been changed and it's going to continue to change and evolve. But certainly the fundamentals of it are something because – the one thing about that CBA that they just locked up a few years ago, and it's really cut the, the, the time that they can spend on the practice field 
you know, instead of two a days, one a day, you know, instead of some of the, the, the big blocking skills events that went on like Oklahoma and so forth, yeah, they don't do that anymore. So it's going to be working the skill situation in a more of a uh, safety conscious uh, arena, but it's something that's common. That's the way it is. Yeah. Hey, Pony boy, let me ask you this. So, and I'm the same subject. Oklahoma University, big OU, they're uh, 119th in the country against defending against the run, but they were 10th in the country in tackles for loss. And to me, as all that showing is that they're doing these passing game stunts against the run, and they're getting all these TFLs, but they're also losing their gap integrities. And with that being said, is either you hit a home run or you strike out. You're Reggie. Reggie Jackson, that's all what you are. Yeah. You know, you see that because that's what I'm seeing. I don't only see a fundamentals in, in the way that they are. These are incredible athletes. Now, don't get me wrong. The athletes are superior, but they're yeah, not no. in the proper fundamentals. But the scheme fundamentals are also suffering. Yeah, no, you're you're right about that, Soda Pop. Um, can I just say right now, do you guys ever wonder what it would look like if, in fact, somebody, an old offensive line coach who used to coach in the 80s, and brought a true power gap scheme to the National Football League once again, if they turned the clock back and literally went and got guys who were power scheme offensive linemen, stud tight ends, wide tight ends, a fullback. I, I Guys, I really do wonder what that would look like if somebody turned the clock back and said, you know what, we're going to try to play football the way that they did in the 80s and 90s. I, I I really wonder what that would look like. And the problem is, is it takes not only the scheme, not only a coach that can reach certain guys and teach them, but also it takes an attitude. It was a mentality back then. If you stop and think about it, and so much of the time, how many coaches back in the 80s and 90s were hard coaches, meaning they would coach you hard, not not with kid gloves. We're not going to sit down and actually have a one-on-one in the coach's uh, office, and we're going to sing Kumbaya together. We're not going to do that. I I mean, I can't tell you how many guys that I was jaw-to-jaw with that were my coaches that said stuff to me that, honestly, <laughs> I can't, right? I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. So I don't know if it'll ever come back. I don't know if it ever will because it was such a, mon- a mentality demanding your offensive lineman beat the guy in front of him, and I don't care if that guy in front of him is Mean Joe Green. I don't care if that guy in front of him is J.J. Watt. I don't care beat them. It was a demand that they would place on you to do your job. And it's interesting. The Arizona Cardinals are getting ready to play the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football coming up this week. If ever there was a guy that still had a shred, a modicum of that belief of do your job and demanding that you do it, it's Bill. Bill Belichick. Yeah. And he also said that D-Hop was the best receiver he's seen, just so you know. Well, yeah, he'll – hey, listen, Bill will lather it on 
<laughs> from time to time. Absolutely. So he can rock you to sleep like a baby, right? He will definitely do that. So did Don Nealon. Uh, yeah, that's all Don Nealon. That's all old school coaching, you know. Uh, anything else, Terry? You got anything to say to that? Anyone well, the thing I always remember, you talk about hard coaching. Raleigh Dotch was my line coach, and I'm telling you what, Raleigh was as hard-nosed. I have conversations with John Mitchell, who is a national treasure of assistant coaches. John Mitchell has been with the Steelers for so many years, two, three, almost three decades now. And um, he's a, he's just an awesome defensive line coach and, and assistant head coach with the Steelers. And he was brought into the league by Raleigh Dotch, and he, he laughs. And as, as he said, Dutch has said, and I, I agree with him, you know, if, if they coached now the way they did back then, guys would be in tears. I mean, they'd be in tears. <laughs> I remember up at training camp, Tunch getting – our brother, Tunch Ilkin, running a trap, got doinked, got hurt, laying on the ground, writhing because his ribs were broken or something. And Raleigh standing over, and go, over him and going, you deserve to be hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the way, that's the way it was back then. You know, we had uh, we had uh, one of my my, my guys uh, that that was drafted, one of my buddies, uh, John Goodman. John Goodman got pulled out. He was from Oklahoma, defensive end, a stud guy, uh, but he he was having a poor game and he got pulled out of the game. And afterwards, that the press corps was said, "Why did you pull John Goodman out of the game?" And he said, "Chuck looked at him and said, because he was being blocked." <laughs> that was it. That was it. That was that's the way they coached. He was being blocked. Let me cap it off with this. And I went into Mike Jacobs, my offensive line coach, offensive uh, coordinator for Mountaineers. I went in there and I was all depressed. He said, Wolf, what's wrong? I said, Well, you know, I'm having a hard time here, a hard time there. And he goes, What's wrong with you? Snap out of it. (laughs) You know, like and I'll be like, Oh, it's okay. You can go over here and do this, go see this guy. Hey, snap out of it, man. Get get real. (laughs) That's just the way it was. But anyways, this here is going to – I'm going to talk to you about your broadcasting. The way I felt it, whenever I was broadcasting and I, I did the games and or my or pregame or halftime, postgame, doesn't matter. I always had a, a favorite or two players, and when they did well, I usually celebrated it on air with them, not knowingly I was doing that. I want you to watch. Man from Penn State, obviously his longest catch of the season. How did he do it? How do you stay on your feet? You catch that ball, you get whacked one time, you get whacked a second time, yet you have enough strength to keep powering forward, outrunning some of the, the coverage, trying to chase them down. Fantastic job by the Muth, keeping his feet 57 yards. Are you kidding me? Yeah, now let me say this. I love the call. It was an awesome call. But is there just a little bit more for when you really like someone? You know, you work with, you know him very well when you're calling? Well, he is my co-host on Tuesday nights at the Giant Eagle Market District uh, for the Pat Fryermuth <laughs> show. So, yeah, I got to, you know, just watching this Penn State kid come up. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I make no bones about it. I like the kid. Uh, he's a great, great competitor. He's also a pretty good broadcaster. He's pretty good on the air. So, Greg, how how is this guy? How What's is that? this guy as a blocker? Can can he line he can up? Block. He's gotten better, progressively better. Not okay. Only is, I will tell you this, and I've said this since uh, sometime last year, and it's towards the end. 
when the best tight ends are talked about in the NFL, his name's going to be in the conversation. You guys wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about true stud tight ends, though. Talking right? about inline tight ends. Yes. You know, he can like block. George Kittle. Yep. Uh, he's not as good as Kittle right now. Right, right. Uh, he's gotten better all the time. He's got great pass receiving skills. He sees, you know, when he goes slot, he sees like a slot receiver. You know, yeah. slot receivers got to read the safeties like the quarterback. You got to have that that uh, mental telepathy, that ESPN sort of stuff going on between you and the quarterback where, you know, you're able to make and get to the inside, present your chest to the quarterback, give him a big target, that sort of thing. Or you got to be able to run some of the more intricate routes, more wide receiver-based routes, I would say, or a route tree like that. And he's got the skills to do both. And he's progressively getting better all the time as a blocker. So mm. I got a lot of appreciation for the kid. Kids showed himself to be true a true pro. You know, uh, Pony Boy, I remember uh, a pit guy himself, Larry Fitzgerald, wide receiver, that I know you used to love to talk about and, and how good he was. Do you feel like when you're broadcasting and you see one of your guys uh, make some big plays or do something exceptional, that you are just more there on top of it? Yeah, no, I think, you know, yes, to answer your question, I, I think there's no doubt the emotion kicks into hyperdrive when you've got a guy that you really love, a guy that you really respect. And Larry Fitzgerald for so many years, I mean, I've been doing the Cardinals color on radio now for, I think it's 18 years. I really do. I can't even believe it. But, you know, and Larry Fitzgerald was there for every year except one of it, I think. He was there earlier. Um, I missed him his rookie year, I believe. Um, but the guy was just absolutely incredible. So, yes, to answer your question, Soda. Yeah, you guys are killing me because, you know, you have Larry Fitzgerald, and that's really what, what got me to like some former uh, hit players. <laughs> and, and then you have James Conner. And, and then, of course, now you got Kenny Pickett. Ooh, they're, or, they're, you're just killing with the Sundance Kid stuff. Awesome, man. A great, great nickname. But I'm loving all these pit guys, and I'm ruining my own reputation. <laughs> well, well so be it you know like james connor was a favorite up here love the kid oh. i mean just he's dynamite man give me a break i the will say the best dude here here's the one thing i so appreciated about james you know his backstory overcoming cancer there would be people in this stadium that would hang signs in the front row said james i can beat cancer because you showed me how and he would go over and talk to him now that when you pour life into other people, that I love that. That just that that's everything, man. Strength. He's just one of those guys. Love is strength, and strength is love. Amen. To that. Knows all about that. Yes. There you go. Excellent. Well, nonetheless, I am a fan of those guys, and I I will stand up and say they're not a pit anymore. Okay, that <laughs> <laughs> makes the difference. And. Talking about colleges, you, you know, preparation means so much. And listening here to Coach uh, Nick Saban, I, I want to hear your thoughts on your own personal preparation. It is not when you get to the game. When you get to the game, everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to play well. It's what did you do to get to the game? How did you prepare? How did you practice? What kind of habits did you create so you can carry those things to the game? And that's what sort of eliminates bad plays. 
Pony boy, I'm going to have you start out with that because it takes a lot to prepare for a game, and you don't win a game on game day. You win a game in your preparation from the beginning of the season and prior to that and through the whole time. Yes. Yes. Uh, let, let me just say this. Full disclosure right now. Um, I've had run-ins with Nick Saban <laughs> from time to time, okay? When he was a defensive coordinator with the Cleveland Browns and Bill Belichick, there was Nick Saban right there. I'm not going to go into anything personal right there, but can I just tell you right now, Nick Saban doesn't like me. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't like me. Having said that, I, I totally agree with Coach Saban and what he is saying right there. It's so true, man. It's all about the preparation, and this is what so many people don't understand. Um, it's all about preparing for the game, preparing for your opponent, and it's not just Wednesday. It's not just Thursday, which are two big work days, right, Craig? Two big days, right, Soda Pop, where you put the pads on. And although it's not typically like that in the NFL anymore, but that's the way that it used to be. Two big game plan installation days on Wednesday and Thursday. It's also your day off on Tuesday. It's also what do you do on Monday night? You know, a lot of guys used to go out on a Monday night. Um a lot of guys used to have camaraderie night, as a matter of fact, on Wednesday. What are you doing away from the facility building? Because I think that also is just as important, that kind of mental preparation for what you're going to have to give on Sunday. There's no question. There's, You know, here's the thing that stood out during COVID, the lockdown, you know, and they were moving games around and everything like this. This was driving me crazy because I said, you know what, every one of those players has a Five-day out, four-day out, three-day out, two-day out, one-day out routine. That's how you get ready. You start with the prehab, rehab. You get your lifts in. You've got to have your extra special watching of film time. you got to be in your playbook. you got to do your mental gymnastics. You've got to be able to do any sort of rehab that you got as far as you know coming off the practice field. There's so much that you have to be ready for. So when you start walking the zone from the final practice that leads to the kickoff and you're taking yourself into that mental state because let's, let's face it outside of a few players, it's an aberration to go out and do what we did on, on Sundays, <laughs> Saturdays, whatever, right? You're, you're mentally aberrated to do that. Okay. It's a mental a, a disinclination to a lot of people, but the full point is for us, for those who are inclined towards that, you are drawn towards that sort of violence. I mean, I, one of our nieces asked me, uncle Craig, why did you, what was it about football that first grasped you? I said it was the violence. Just the sheer violence of it. It was so much fun. Yeah, I want in on that, you know? And the fact of the matter is, to get ready to do that, there's certain steps that you have to take to proceed to prepare yourself to be ready for whatever you're going to face on game day. And that it means the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, all right? All those things come together, and they collide on game day. And it's a big part of it. So, he's right. Besides that, isn't it amazing Nick Saban was on the staff at Syracuse way back in 1977 or something? Okay, but do you want to say this? How about this for six degrees? My office at WVU, when I was the alumni director for 12 years, that was Nick Saban's old office at the Coliseum for football. Get out. Because of WVF. So we all got the uh, six degrees of Nick Saban. Apparently, one-third of us don't like him. 
<laughs> Although, Pony, I got to say that I don't think there's a lot of Tennessee people that like him either. <laughs> I'm just saying, I just had a couple of run-ins. He asked me to do some things I would never do. He wanted me to back off and practice. I was like, no, that's, yeah, that's exactly good. why Bill Belichick brought me in here, because I only knew one speed, one way, constantly. And I wonder how he feels about that now with his with his college kids. Does he want his college kids backing off in practice? I don't think so. No, I, I think that would be a little different there. But let me say this. This next thing I want to talk about, and this is uh, – James Harrison, Heinz Ward, they're up for semifinals for the Hall of Fame. I, I really loved them growing up. I just loved watching them. Not even growing up. They were in my adulthood, I should say that. This is not like Joe Green when I was growing up. But, again, here, looking at these two guys, you know, you know, who do you see that should be the Hall of Fame that you played against? Like, is there one guy, uh, as you look at these guys, because these guys are everything to me for a Hall of Fame type of players that they were, the mentality. Is there any player that you could think of? that should be in the Hall of Fame that is not? Oh, man. Mm. Andy Russell. Andy Russell, the great Andy Russell. from He was he was great before the Steelers were great. He served our country in the in the military. You know, I mean, he, he, he was a nine-time Pro Bowler before the, you know, basically before the Super Bowl started rolling in. He should be in the, in the Hall of Fame. L.C. Greenwood should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, I mean, he was part of that that famous steel curtain, man. The guy was just a monster. Um, you know, there, there's a number of guys. That I could sit here and, you know, go down the list, but there's a number of Steelers. As they as they say here in Pittsburgh, the uh, the Steelers should have their own wing at the in Canton. Okay, very good. Now, but is there anyone you can think of from another team oh. that stood out to you? Like, honestly, you know, you, you know what it was like to play against LT, but we know where he is. Uh, yeah, right. Tony, how about you? You know, I would have to say Carl Banks. Um, Carl Banks was an excellent football player, man. He was, to think that the New York Giants had the best outside weak side linebacker in the game, the Will Backer, Lawrence Taylor, the best to ever play. And then on the other edge, the Sam Backer over the tight end, the strong side backer, Carl Banks. It's almost inconceivable to me. They had that 34 defense, man, when they'd line up Jim Burt as the nose guard, your former high school teammate, teammate, Harry Um, Carson. Harry Carson as the Mike, and then you have Pepper Johnson as the weak side. I I mean, you got to be kidding me, some of these guys. I'm trying to think, Soda. I'm trying to think of some other guys that I played against. Um, Wilbur Marshall. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not kidding you. Yeah, I, that's a great I pick. Think he's a baller. Was absolutely hard nosed. Wow. If you notice that when I showed that Refrigerator Perry video, it was Wilbur Marshall that actually caused the fumble that the refrigerator picked. Up. Wilbur Marshall was awesome. Yeah. He, was he was a bad man. man. Okay. Matter well, of fact, back in the day when they had Otis Wilson on one side and Wilbur Marshall on the other. Yeah, there's another that that '86 Bears. Oh my gosh! That oh yeah. Was, oh, oh man, yeah. they were brutal. It's like you know, pick the guy you want to you want to you want to fight. That's all it was. There's you no know? doubt. Well, I'm going to tell you who I I think, and it's just I'm being a homer to some degree, but 
Bruce Smith has the most sacks in the NFL ever in history with 200. The next guy, I think, is at 135, 136. And Daryl Talley was the reason why Bruce had a lot of those sacks. And it was because the two of them on one side together, Daryl Talley, to me, uh, I really believe is a Hall of Famer. Never missed a game in his 12 years with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they're constantly. And I'm going to say it. That's who I believe, man. So I love your choices. I love all that. It's a that. good choice. Yeah. That is a good choice. I got to tell you a quick man. story. Got to tell you a quick story with the Giants because we always played the Giants, you know, every year. Mark Malone was making his first start against the Giants. Okay. We're at pregame meal where, you know, everybody's sitting at a table hanging out. And Mark Malone's a quarterback. And so Mike Webster's talking about the defensive front end of the New York Giants, Jimmy Burt, you know, uh, all these guys we talk about Pepper Johnson, Harry Carson, Leonard Marshall. Yeah, Leonard. Oh, Leonard Marshall. There's another. And George Martin was the other defensive end. I mean, these guys are all killers, right? And Leonard Marshall, man, he was awesome. Um, so anyhow, as we're sitting there, I'm watching Mark and, and Webby's talking about how these guys are rushing the passer and everything. And he's 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 having trouble eating his eggs. <laughs> he's like, it's getting caught and everything. And Webby just turns looks at him and goes, Mark. My advice to you is throw the ball quickly today. <laughs> I said, no, let me shut up. All right, you're not helping things here. You know, he's already uptight, you know. My advice to you is to throw throw the ball quickly. That's Jeez, awesome. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Very good. Okay, now let's finish up with this. You guys, the team, the Cardinals. Uh, Pony, this is a call. You didn't have a game last week. You had a bye. You are playing Monday night. Where's the team at? But listen to the call first. David, I don't know about that, man. You got to be kidding me. A four-man rush. Kyler Murray stepping up into the pocket against zone cover. Flipped that ball back to James Conner as he was going down. I, I don't know. You might watch 50 years of NFL tape and never see that play again. <laughs> you know, I, I remember that. and uh, So I had to throw that in there because you didn't have a game and a call. But, you know, where are the Cardinals at, man? And, and uh, you know, Kyler, and- is he getting healthy? Yeah, you know, honestly, they're four and eight. Um, they're coming off a bye right now. They got five games left, and we've been talking about it down here ad nauseum. Um, what can they actually accomplish in five games right now? Number one, this is just my own personal feeling on this. Number one, guys, they got to get Kyler right. They got to get him back to where he's actually playing the way that he was in September and October of 2021 they got to get kyla murray right they got to get him productive use all that talent that he's got and they got to put him in an offense that is sustainable an offense that is going to continue to evolve an offense that is going to continue to grow um unfortunately they just haven't had a lot of continuity they haven't had a lot of consistency the the injury situation i don't want to use it for an excuse But as you guys all know, many times the injury situation is a reason. It's a reason why you're struggling the way that you are. It's not an excuse. You never want to point to it. Guys get hurt all the time. But when you lose 80% of your starting offensive line and you've been playing half the season with 80% of your starting offensive line not out there playing, um, yeah, that's a reason why you might actually struggle. But, you know, you, they didn't have Hollywood Brown together with D-Hop until week 12, week 12 of the season. 
Um, you know, it just, it, it has not come together the way that they were hoping it would. So job one over the next five games, fix Kyler Murray, get him right again, and get him in an offense that is evolving going into the offseason because then you can actually plan for what you're going to try to build for next season. But right now at four and eight with five to go, um, they look done. Yeah. Now, well, you are going to have Marquise Brown and Dehop together this week, right? Yes. Yep. Yes, they're going to be out there together this week. And um, Zach Ertz, of course, won't be. And that was the pairing, or that was what they were looking for more than anything. Cliff Kingsbury wanted to see Zach Ertz with Hop and Hollywood Brown. Zach Ertz, of course, has been put on IR for the last few weeks. So Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to say this, too. I think, you know, anytime you get down to the, the, the end of the season and you're not in the playoffs, you're fighting for your own job, man. There's a lot to fight for. It's a lot of money, and people like doing what they're doing. So, uh, once again, I think they're going to, you know, play hard, if not for any other reason, just that. Yeah. No, that's a good point, Soda. Absolutely. Now, let's go ahead and finish up here with you there, Derry. And uh, this is the end call with you and Billy and Minka Fitzpatrick. It's intercepted. Going to the five-yard line and getting out of bounds is Minka Fitzpatrick. And that seals the deal in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And the Steeler Nation is celebrating. That's another magic Minka moment, Billy. He's so smart. He didn't go. He just went out of bounds. They're going to retain possession. That's just heads-up football. Get Zooks, man. I'm sitting there going, run into the end zone. And he goes, no, why would you retain possession? And he was right. He was right. I'm, I'm serious. It took me five seconds after Minka had already stepped out of bounds. Like, oh, that's right. He don't want to go back out of the field. You know, hello. You know, Minka is just such a heads-up guy. He's like a he's like a coach in the secondary. You know, very much like Mike Webster used to be a coach being on the offensive line. It was like having a coach out there. Uh, Minka is just such a headsy player, such a great player. Uh, great in performance. Great, you know, from the neck up, too. Um, this is a team that's they're on a roll now. You know, for the first time they've stacked wins in in December here, which the last time they had not stacked any wins all season long, meaning you win in two in a, two in a row. The last time that happened, I was playing. It was 1988, 5-11. It was so bad, and I think I've shared the story before, but it bears repeating. That year was so bad, we're 5-11. and 11, we're going to the airport, and Tunch and I got into an argument over something stupid. And we're like chin to chin in the airport. And we're ready to throw hands. I mean, it's it was just, you're just honked off, and like two brothers, you're just like ready to go. And just at that moment, there's an elderly couple that walked behind Tunch, as we are like nose to nose. And the one the one lady, she, she goes, Fred, she elbows and goes, no wonder they're losing. Look, they're fighting with each other. And I'm like, Poof. you know, and like, okay, now I feel stupid. You know, but that's how bad a 5-11 season is. You know, it just is miserable. <laughs> uh, Craig, I don't want to hear about this. I mean, you know, I played 10 years in the NFL and never played on a team that had a winning record. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Think about that. So I don't want to hear about your one year where you had 5-11, and 11, okay? You know, I, I feel your pain. I felt your misery. <laughs> just remember this. Right? You know what they say about paybacks? Because last week – 
Greg was talking about his struggles in at Syracuse going to one bowl game, and you talked about going to four bowl games. <laughs> That's right. So the heck with you, bro. So, nice job. Right, man. Nice That's job. right. That's right. Let's see. So it was the Gator Bowl. It was the Peach Bowl. <laughs> it was the Hall of Fame Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I remember now. Team success came early. But you didn't go to the Independence Bowl, baby. <laughs> sure. Uh, you have nobody listening to you when, when you're talking about it. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, professional once again, superstar. Great thoughts. I, I, I love, you know, there's so much going on in football right now. So much is changing. And yeah. It's the old stuff, the new stuff, in between. How do you mix and match? All these things that are happening. Uh, so it's definitely, if, if not entertaining, it's interesting to see the game of football uh, where it is, where it's going. I love you guys with all my heart. Great job. And uh, it's it for the three Wolves of football. The boys. <laughs> Orchard Park, baby. You got to love them. Let's go, Bills. Love you guys. Love you guys, man. See ya. Love you, Hoopy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's not forget mom. All right.